Welcome back, everyone. Hello. In this episode, we're going to talk about side projects, and specifically a side project that Robert has been working on for quite some time. Exactly, for uh, many, many months now, and I will uh, run you through uh, later on the episode, like what that entails. Um, excited, you know, to share my experiences and uh, learnings and many more uh also future plans obviously so yeah that's uh but before we do that exactly let's go through how our week has been since the the last uh, episode and the first episode yeah how's it been for you wow uh let me think about that so for the last time we between the last time we recorded and now i have um not worked on rust anymore like i had i had some interest but i paused it so that's a little change did Um, we talk about rust in the previous episode i don't think i've mentioned it but i did one-on-one with you that i was interested um which i'm still at which i still am but just you know prioritization of um of time and i have been taking a different approach with my side project. So I'm not going to tell you right now. I'll save it for later. Uh, So I did do that. And yeah, I mean, still learning a lot of new things, pushing my uh, knowledge with TypeScript. And um, I learned a few things from you as well along along the week, which, you know, still gives a good feeling. Still gives a good feeling. What about you? Yeah, we've been working on the recursive website together. And it's quite fun to, you know, learn things from each other and collaborate on the design and the architecture and the technical decisions. Exactly, because we never actually coded together. We have been talking to each other about our works, but it's always been two separate things. And now it's colliding. And I would say what I found a learning some experience as well is that the concepts you were used to from your background and um, you know i s- observed them um you know i'm not gonna say from the i did form an opinion about it in some way right uh some of them i absorbed immediately some of them they'll uh, maybe later but that's even going as far as syntax choice or naming of variables like it can go very broad and everyone has their own approach a little bit right mm-hmm. um but yeah that, that's something i found really interesting but how is how was your time between uh then and now yeah it's been nice it's been uh, super exciting to see all the positive feedback we've got from the first episode mm-hmm. i think we both weren't super happy with the quality of the pod or the first episode specifically the audio quality and we stumbled and mumbled a little bit here and there but the feedback has been super positive and uh, yeah that feels really great um yeah other than that i've been keeping busy with work mm-hmm. um and uh yeah, we're working super hard to to launch uh, Demando into uh, into Berlin actually. Cool. So, you know, 
you realize how much more work it is to actually prepare a product for internationalization mm-hmm. when it comes to currencies and time zones and uh, language yeah. and like how do you format a salary um, uh, hourly salary in german and stuff like this it's been it's been a challenge for sure to zoom in on that just briefly like what is it is there, how is it different from swedish or it's so different really <laughs> yeah i mean maybe german isn't that different from from swedish but when you do something like this you have to make it super scalable so you can mm. go to to india and it, it, the formatting should work there as well yeah yeah yeah, um, yeah but time zones is honestly the more complicated part uh, which i hadn't thought about well actually you know about the new api from javascript that's actually in Phase three, I think it's called. Yes. It's um, wow. The name is lost on me right now. Mm. Yeah, I know the name, but I can't remember it either. <laughs> yeah, let's uh, <laughs> let, let's circle back to that later. Yeah, but that's pretty much how how, how my week has been. Uh, still recovering from a cold I had last week. Sorry to interrupt you, but uh, the name just came to me. Temporal. Yeah, that's the one. Temporal. Yeah pretty exciting yeah right if they get it right then it's gonna solve a lot of problems make it more easy uh developer wise at least yeah but back uh, to you no that's pretty much it um recovering from a cold i feel like everyone in stockholm is having a cold right now (laughs) (laughs) it's that season of the year but yeah other than that all good stuff perfect so should we jump into the topic of today let's do that i'm ready Mm-hmm. So, we're going to talk about a side project that you started working on f- a long time ago. Yes. And it's called uh, You Know, mm-hmm. as we know today. Mm-hmm. So, to start off, first of all, when did you start working on this? And why did you start working on this? And what is it? Yes, all right. So... <clears throat> Let me first answer the last question to uh, give the listeners an idea of what we're talking about. It is a, simply put, an email application or email client, you know, different lingo, same meaning, I would say. And it right now is only for Gmail. That's just a choice I made and, you know... N- n- Growing as a developer, I see how I could do it differently and how I could make it possible to work with different applications, uh, different platforms. But for now, I just, uh, it's just, uh, yeah, not on my uh, to-do list, at least at, the top, at my top of the to-do list for the project. So that's what Juno is uh, in a in, in basic essence, but why would someone use Juno? It's that it is attempting to do a great job at teaching a new workflow and really forcing you to think about emails a little bit differently than you usually do, especially about your inbox. So normally an inbox is a list of emails, right? They come in and you open the ones you think you should be looking into. You archive them or do replies, anything you want to do with them. And highly, there is a possibility you don't archive or delete them. So they just stick in your inbox. Yep. 
and I got actually, uh, I didn't come with this idea fully on my own. Well, actually, I, I, I took it from a different application, which is discontinued right now. Tempo, right? Tempo, exactly. I loved their uh, approach. Um, then I was using it mainly when I was a, still a project manager. So working as a project manager, I had a lot of emails coming to me. I had to be aware of a lot of emails to not forget to reply or follow up or any of those actions. And the concept that Tempo was setting, as one of the concepts they were setting, is to see your inbox as a, let's say, pile of emails, a stack. So every time you check into your email, you're supposed to go through them one by one, almost forcefully, or almost forcing you to take a choice on each email um, before you can move to the next. And it moves to the next one automatically. So it's kind of a modus where it just goes through the yeah. emails. Uh, and I found it very... It was a power tool to me mm -hmm. at some point. So imagine coming to off to the office in the morning. You have a few emails waiting for you. Just open your inbox. And I was actually getting to know short keys, short uh, the keyboard shortcuts. Mm -hmm. And I just went through my inbox like in 10 seconds. Wow. Yeah. I mean, that doesn't mean I did reply to them, but it's more like, okay, the ones that weren't interesting... I already archived, deleted, they're, they're, they're there. And the ones I should follow up on, I just marked as to do, which is something mm. they do. Right. Uh, they introduced as a concept there. And you could reply if you wanted to, but I most of the time choose not to, just to you know, have my inbox zero first and then yep. go on with my day and see, <clears throat> see what my to-do list was and work from there. Uh, I like that concept, and I think, um, yeah, that's where I felt like I could just take that as a project to work on myself, just to learn things, <clears throat> and I saw that what they did was cool, but same thing goes for messaging apps. Like, every messaging app has, it's still a messaging app, but mm. it's there's different nuances, there's different mm -hmm. takes on things eventually, um, which makes you like the one over the other, right? It yeah. happens. Yeah, it's personal preference. Exactly, as well. So. And the thing about Tempo was, yeah. it was a team that very much cared about the design and user experience. Exactly. Everything was very polished. They introduced some pretty in interesting concepts, like hitting down the control key for getting alternative actions and buttons and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. That was the first time I'd seen that. Yeah. That was really cool. Exactly. So I, let me take one step back, like how I chose to use Temple. Maybe that goes, I, I don't want to spend too much yeah, on Yeah, we Temple. can cover that. Yeah. So the how Temple came to me was through a, TechCrunch article <clears throat> and I think we are alike in that that we are looking for new tools to do something possibly in a different way on your computer to you know look for optimizations different approaches 
uh, and such. And as a project manager, I was looking for a better tool which was better in use, but also more appealing to the eye, which you just mentioned. Tempo, once I knew about it, I started using it and fell in love right away. Uh, it's very clean to the eye, really minimal a little, and I um, am trying to do the same thing with Juno. And started using it because most of the applications out there, to zoom in what makes it more appealing visually, is that most of the email applications, let's take, let's take your Outlook or your, your Gmail or Apple Mail, they all have this sidebar on the left, then they have this scroll bar mm -hmm. where all your emails are, and on the right you have your pane to watch your uh, emails. I'm not going to say it's bad because it's you know proven concept. It's it's working. Yeah, it's for the general masses. Yes, it's yeah. designed for the general masses. Exactly, it's uh, it's good enough, I would say, for for usage. But I don't find it very appealing. It feels. You don't like spending time in Gmail or Outlook, but oh, you, yeah. you enjoyed spending time in Tempo. That's what I felt like. Well put, well put, yeah. And you made me think about my what I sometimes think about if I explain this uh, thing I have with email. It's like I have a love-hate relationship with emails. Like I l love it as that much that I want to build something that is good uh, to minimize... Well, basically, I, I, I love it too, that much that I want to spend time as much as I did right now to build something for it. But I hate it in the sense that I think it's sometimes wasteful to be too much stuck in your email box. Therefore, I make something that makes that a lot easier. So it's a love-hate mm. relationship, right? Yep. Um, so yeah, Tempo, using it a lot. It's a shame they discontinued because I would you know, love for them to continue. I... I have no idea, uh, no insight exactly like why it is continued, but it is what it is, right? So, yeah, I think it's a hard business to run when you need to pay Google a lot of uh, money in license fees for yeah, yeah for their API. I can imagine. Yeah. So uh, right now I don't have that, but I'll talk about that in a second. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, started to build you know also as a project to learn and because this was pretty early in your in your uh, time period of learning how to code right yeah uh, i if i recall correctly actually it was i i had a smaller project prior uh, which was just for fun uh, a movie database thingy and this was what actually maybe might have been the second project i started off with well yeah <laughs> It and how much uh, did you know about React and JavaScript? And Almost nothing. Yeah. Almost nothing. Did you have any idea how hard it is to build an email client? Mm. Or did you just jump headfirst? I would it? go with the latter, but I did have some thoughts about how Tempo did their things, how they achieved them by just observing, like, okay, probably they did it like this. Um but yeah, it was kind of ballsy to, 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 to just go at it, I would say. Yeah, like now you mentioned it like that. Yeah, but But sometimes that's actually a good thing because you don't you don't know how how hard it is to get the email rendering and the CSS to work properly and yeah. uh, across browsers. When you know that 
how hard it is, you maybe wouldn't have started the project at all. I agree. I agree. Yeah, it's more like to put it metaphorically, like you're going to climb a mountain and right now I'm just looking at my feet and I'm just walking or later, maybe a little bit further up. So I'm, I'm, I don't you know, bump my head too hard, but I'm just going at it and just climbing that mountain and see where <laughs> I end up. Right. Uh, so. No, I didn't know anything as much. And I actually vividly right now, images fly in my hand, seeing some pieces of the code I wrote back then, how my approach was just uh, for you guys out there who are interested. uh, Google API is, or Gmail API specifically, it's documented, but not that well, that there's a lot of, uh, you know, you need to infer things or play with it to understand how it all fits together and it's very vague it is yes it's and that's that. in my experience the case with most google apis mm. with the maps api and the search api like they document most of the things but they never really tell you how it all works together yeah they don't guide you that much right or no. what does it mean like yeah you have to string the parts together yourself yeah much. Yeah, so I did spend. Uh, if they would document it differently, I put have, I probably would have saved quite a lot of time with that. But you know, it is what it is, and I wanted it, and now I know. <laughs> so if you guys are interested, you can always find me somewhere on Twitter or something and ask me a question. But uh, the to add to that, they have a JavaScript front end library that you can use. But it was broken. <laughs> yeah, it was broken. So me being just a few weeks into my developer career or uh, knowledge in general, mm-hmm. like, yeah, good luck figuring that one out. Like, how does it, do I make this one work? And You hit the wall. Yeah, I hit the wall. And at some point, I could figure it out a little bit, left or right. Uh, given that my knowledge on React was also not perfect, right? So... Uh, you know, the re-rendering of the pages and everything. I wasn't fully aware of that. So that also played part. But eventually I got a list, an array of things, which I could then print out. So mm-hmm. I got my first list. And I I kid you not, that sense of accomplishment, mm-hmm. when, once that happened, like I can see a list, I can see snippets, I can see this, the, the timestamp, I can... Holy yeah it's it's coming alive like i know yeah no in hindsight that's you know if you know well we were you know we both know we're both capable of imagining what that is right now and then you're like you know that's like a 10 second job Let, let's say like it feels like that you know what i mean but back then it was i climbed my mount everest right i i did it that was my first achievement and that with that motivation i just kept on going so, yeah, not to zoom into this, uh, you know, history, historical part too much because there's a, a bunch of things I would like to say, but it started off, started off like that. Then um, everything I've done is basically first I took the easy approach, I would say, but that's also because I didn't know that much. So it was just the, the first thing I got my hands on and, oh, that makes sense. So implemented it. For one, like you mentioned with the rendering of the email, 
there is many ways to render one. Mm-hmm. Right? You, you, yeah. you can find any library that does that, but that I found out by experience doesn't always do the trick. So, you know, figuring something out. Anyway, um, it was a lot of trial and error. Yep. And I've grown a lot of it from it, a lot. If uh, yeah, the code base has grown in complexity, but also, um, yeah, it started in JavaScript, became TypeScript, started with Redux pretty soon, actually. Redux as a state management tool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, that is because I knew of it from my previous job. So started off with that pretty early on. Um, yeah, but I implemented that also wrongly in the beginning, or at least not as I do it now, which I think is yeah right now with my current models the best approach. Trial and error. Sorry. Trial and error. Of course, yeah. So yeah. you built this sort of MVP version of you now, mm-hmm. which worked, mm-hmm. and you did some dodge feeding to to use it yourself. Um, when did you feel like you were at the at the quality you wanted to start showing it to people and start taking feedback? That's a good question because there is because as developers and designers, we have this tendency for perfection, so we just build and build and build and build and. Yeah. Eventually, we get tired and we never showed it to anyone, so we don't know if it was a good idea or a bad idea. <laughs> yeah, that's I, I've been there. So, <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, I, I, I can concur with that. So that's also one of the learnings I took. Right, I never developed prior, um, and what you just said earlier about tempo—that it is a hard field to battle in, like emails in general. There is already a. It's already a concept that stands, so people expect f- certain functions to be there already by default. And there's a bunch of them, right? So where do you draw the line? Like, do we do you stop at reply, or do you also build in forward as a function? In, in essence, they're pretty much similar, but you know, yeah, they're two functions. And it's hard because you know that because you did this to me, you know that if you're showing it to people and not every feature that they're used to in their current email app exists in you know they're gonna think it's a bad idea <laughs> or a bad execution that's kind of what happened when you showed it to me i just started asking questions well how do i insert files and how do i um i don't know uh, download files that other people have sent or yeah. Uh, and of course that wasn't there yet no not yet no exactly and it is there now so i think right now to just a little jump ahead but to answer that is that right now i am on this point where i covered 90-ish percent of the default functions which is again a plateau you have to reach first before uh, you don't get obvious questions from other users like why isn't it there um so I started showing to friendly people, uh, friends of mine. Um, only friendly people. <laughs> only friendly people. I don't want good feedback. No, <laughs> I'm a, a sensitive guy. No. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Smart. <laughs> yeah, opening my book here. Um, 
So no, it's just that you start showing your friends who you think mm-hmm. are gonna be uh, slightly interested in this because not everyone cares about an email application. But it, you you still have a very broad broad audience of people. Like everyone uses email. It, that's true, but so not you, ev- you can ask pretty much anyone. That's true, but um, getting feedback from someone who really doesn't care about email, but just because it's a way of communication, they just use it. But yeah. outside of that, they don't really bother. I'm not sure if you want to vibe or you get the right vibes or you get the right ideas from them, right? So they, yeah, that actually to move forward with my learnings here, to move more than time, I learned that. I should be looking out for more early adapters because you need some people that are accepting bugs, accepting missing features, uh, but also possibly to think with you in a certain direction. I'm not going to say that or not or non-early adapters don't do that, the, the thinking part, but uh, yeah, I think early adapters are more open and like that. So how did you get your first early adopters? That's was it friends or was it through the internet or how was that? Yeah, so Juno is open source, which means that everyone can download the source code, run it on their machine, code on it. So it's been there and I have not been actively promoting that much, but slowly but steadily it got attention. Mm-hmm. Different developers have been contributing to it. You had a Discord as well, right? Sorry? A Discord as well? Yeah, so I did set up a uh, Discord community uh, where, uh, yes, yeah, slow, slowly but steadily growing. But one of the, which basically put a, what's it called? Magnifying glass on it, basically, where some of the contributors asked me if they could submit it to a certain event which happens every october mm-hmm. which is a worldwide event called hacktoberfest ah uh, okay and he asked me if i could if he could do that on my behalf and i was like yeah sure yeah go for it just so you for your listeners hacktoberfest is a worldwide event for developers to start learning contributing to open source you need to do as a owner of such a code base you need to enable uh, that people can see it and you need to tag your issues your to-dos with a good first issue Mm -hmm. or hacktoberfest tag there's yeah so they can understand oh this is probably something i could pick up and work and go with so we did that and there was an influx of users some of them stick around yeah Uh, we we should uh, we should probably do an entire entire show on Hacktoberfest yeah. because it, it has uh, it has some history let's just say <laughs> all right i'll learn a thing or two about yeah. you because i don't have that uh, uh maybe the, the, the notion yet um oh yeah continue yeah well also to actually add to that maybe uh, like open source in general could be tied into that like what are you thinking about that yeah yeah Anyway, so um, some of them stuck around, some of them become like advocates, some are more or less, um, but they're still developers, right? So they're not marketing people, they're not making the fire burn brighter as I would have done myself, the fire being that that people out there will know of it, and it spreads like a wildfire. That's not there. Um... 
let's regroup for a second here. So, um, so, 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 okay, you, you launch, you don't launch, you know, but it's open source. You start getting some contributors, mm -hmm. which I thought was very, very promising because like that means that, that you actually have a few people who really like your idea. Yeah. Otherwise, you're not going to spend your free time like submitting pull requests for it. So that was that was really cool. Uh, you also started building a community on Discord. Mm -hmm. You had quite a few members there, right? Mm -hmm. How many? Yeah, it's nearing 20 now, actually. Sometimes yeah. people drop off. Uh, yeah, it happens, right? But yeah. you have like a, a smaller core of like interested users. Yeah, yeah. Um, so the next step in a side project is you find yourself at this waypoint. Where do I grow from here? Do I do I grow all in or do I just quit? It's not it's not worth spending more time on it. So you, I guess you somewhere here find yourself in uh, this. Yes. Um in some ways I agree with your statement, but I think I've somehow found a way to not walk forward and but sometimes walk sideways if you know what i mean like you could, oh, you could, i could still do this before i actually have to make that choice um but i think my take on that question is that i, I personally could go all in definitely yes mm -hmm. but since it's open source since it will be a community at least that's my striving to get people there that contribute their time and knowledge and thoughts on the project Therefore, making the accumulative hours put into Juno on a monthly basis, let's say, way bigger than I'm doing myself, right? So I don't need to go all in because there's other people chiming in. There's more hands to it. Yeah, exactly. But also when I say all in, I mean um, getting more open source contributors mm -hmm. and doing marketing in like actually um like releasing you know to the to the public and mm -hmm. getting the signups and users and, mm -hmm. and um that's kind of what i mean with growing all in i don't necessarily mean like quit your job take vc money move to, move to san francisco <laughs> create a linear l landing page <laughs> uh, there's different uh, aspects of growing all in uh, i'd say yeah um what 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 was your thought there? Yeah, so if you mean actually mean by releasing it and everything for wider public right now, it's a what I call it as a private beta, right? People, I have to invite people to be using the system which I'm running f for them, right? They, like I said, they could run it themselves, set it all up, but since it's open source, but. People choose not to sometimes, and then I have to add them to a Google allowed list, which is... Yeah, that wouldn't scale, right? No, exactly. And it is capped at 100 right now. Yeah. And I thought about that, and it's still something I haven't really cracked. There's some thoughts I have there. Uh, just, just to keep it general here, because those thoughts aren't really crystallized yet, is that one of them is to 
taking the, the, the Apple Mail approach, which means that you can an, uh, connect to any account. Technically speaking, that would potentially disconnect me from this lock of Google 100 users or even which I've been uh, hearing about is if, if you take the cap off that, like not 100 users, become therefore you, you become a uh, public slash production level mm -hmm. application. Yep. There's going to be a screening, I think, which can cost you up to 10,000 euros. Yes. And I don't want to pay that. <laughs> Makes sense. <laughs> yeah. But if growing all in would mean taking VC capital, that wouldn't be a problem, right? Correct, correct. But yeah. if, if you're an indie developer, if you go the indie route, mm -hmm. that's not worth it, right? Because you, you don't have any users yet. Exactly. So it's kind of a chicken-egg problem yeah, yeah, we're, exactly. we're, we're facing here. And but what you could do if you wanted to keep, keep growing is you could... Uh, create marketing for for you know you can create a landing page and create early access uh, signups and you could um, publish on twitter and on product hunt and mm -hmm. talk about it more on the podcasts mm -hmm. but you didn't right and not all of them some of them i did and that's also there's two reasons for that on top of my head. One of them is that most of it is a one-man show, me, me, so I don't have all of the time for it because I'm still learning development, the application becomes more complex, and I'm pushing myself. I, I prefer to work on code as well instead of marketing or promoting in general. And that is also almost the second point, well, it's the second point wherein I am, by nature, not a marketeer. So it's something I have to grow or try to do myself or find people that are interested in Juno. They, they see, they believe the concept and then ask them to do something because most of it should be pro bono, right? I'm not going to pay that much money for a, a concept, which isn't, It's I like it and some people like it, but it isn't widely validated or it's 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 not that there yet right which is maybe what, also what, what do you mean it's not there yet in a sense that it isn't validated by the masses or by oh i can see this, this is a fire that it's going which could be potentially be me in that sense kind of a risk aversion which ties yeah into i mean it, it going all in is literally a risk i know exactly to see if if it's gonna get validated Exactly. That's so kind of how it works. Now maybe you need to give me a push there, right? Uh, and uh, uh, um, you know, pull me out of my uh, my coding mode and push me in the in that direction as uh, now uh, from an outside of perspective. Um, yeah. So it's kind of um, chicken egg. And right now, I currently set my eyes on revamping a little bit of the code because I saw that. Because of the code base has been growing and uh, worked on for the past two years almost, mm -hmm. uh, you know, it's it's been a long time. But also, that's those two years were me learning as well. Yeah. Right? So approaches were different, and it's I wouldn't say spaghetti code because I 
I <laughs> give myself a compliment here, but I would try. I say I think <laughs> I did a, a, as best as a job as I could not mm-hmm. to go that route. But now with my new knowledge, it's like you keep on extending. So seeing it as a house, right? You just keep on adding new wings, new floors, whatever. Yeah, uh, it's nice, but it's all like you know almost duct taped together instead of having a architect looking at it planning the whole house from scratch and then building it in it with the same you know materials it's all looking nicely but that makes sense right it looks better it works better it's it, there's a thought sure so right now i am revamping my copays which takes out uh um development experience wise and improves but also look and feel, but also behavior. So there's a lot of improvements. And I'm taking a, a different focus in um, platform, I would say. So initially it was just web, basically. But now I'm going more to the app version. Does mm-hmm. it mean mobile app? It means desktop app. So Electron? Tori right now. Tori. My current approach is Tori. Cool. Yeah. Let's uh, let's not get into that. No, let's not. But that's my current, and I think I could easily switch to one for the other. I'm not really that much tied into one platform. Mm-hmm. But I feel the thought behind the desktop app is that it becomes, mm, let's say, anything you have on your desktop becomes more real than it li- lives on a tab in your browser in some way, right? If, it, if it, there's an icon on your Apple menu bar, like on your bar, you'll be also memorized like, oh, I have that app, so I should be using that because I have been noticing that some people are interested, but they are really just following their own routines, right? They are just doing what they have been doing before, which is you know, opening the Gmail on their browser or any other app they're used to. And by having it a desktop app, they see the icon. And that's just one notion. I, maybe it's just an idea I have, you know, convinced myself. Yeah, I, of I think doing it, it might be maybe. I, I Previously, I would definitely have bought your your point here. Interested, interestingly enough, this week I've actually been doing an experiment where I only use, I removed all my desktop apps. Okay. Almost all, like the ones I use most frequently. So that would be Slack and Spotify. You have them still or did you remove them? I removed them from the desktop and I'm using them in Arc. Uh Aha. Because I watched this very interesting video by one of the co-founders of Arc. Uh, Arc meaning the Arc browser from the browser company in New York. Where he talked about this concept or this idea he had had for a long time. Which is called the internet computer. Mm. So they believe in the future people won't have desktop apps anymore. Mm -hmm. Everything is going to live in the browser and it's going to be as performant as it is on the desktop. It might not be there right now, but I think it's a very interesting idea. So, and th- we're starting to see this more and more. Like when we were kids, maybe we had our files on our local machine. We had a documents folder and we had the, our uh, text documents there. Mm-hmm. Now that's, that's all in the cloud. Mm-hmm. The coding files, 
the source code is all on GitHub, etc., mm-hmm. etc. Et so, yeah, I've been doing this experiment ma- experiment now for a few days. It's working pretty well. It's taking some time to to get used to it. Mm. I find myself like because I had this shortcut for going to Slack, which was like Control three, Control three. It would jump to the third space on my Mac. And I do it all the time. I just hit <laughs> c- control three, but uh, it's just an empty space. And then I, ah, uh, okay. Mm. But then there's, of course, shortcuts in Arc. So I just use those instead. And honestly, like Slack is almost faster in the browser. It's crazy. Well, to add to that, I'm actually, I've switched many months ago from using Slack as the app to the browser mm. because I saw it took a lot of my computer resources. Mm-hmm. I was just an experiment as well, like same thing. And now I'm used to it, but Spotify is still on. Mm. I don't know. Nope, there's no. Spotify is a bit, a bit buggy. Mm. Especially with Spotify Connect. Uh-huh. Like when I get to the office and I want to play some music on, uh, on our Sonos, it barely ever shows up there. <laughs> mm, yeah. That's a bit annoying. Oh, yeah. So that's a nice experience and of an experiment. Yeah, sorry, it was a bit of a <laughs> sidetrack here. No, 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 keep me up to date. I mean, I'm mean, eager to hear about that, how you experienced that. But what you just said as well, like with the spaces, it's about rewiring yeah. new routines. And that's also something I observed, like I said before, like that's one of the reasons why I wanted to do it with desktop app. But there's also still the developer that wants to learn in me. Yeah. And having this new cool technology, mm-hmm. you know, you could... Make it's it dangerous. Like, <laughs> it is dangerous, definitely is. Although, but also a good reason for learning. Yeah, exactly. Although there's, I would say, um, there's two good reasons. There's two reasons that are making it uh, worth my while. One of is that I personally noticed that I, if I conceptualize, you know, as a desktop app, I want to take it the polish or the the experience a little further than just a browser but that's just my take uh, like it now it is not part of a different system now it is a system on its own so it should be a certain level of quality but that's again my notion that's how i what do you mean um so do you th- don't you think the web app should be as good as a desktop i know i agree it should it should and it, it, it will actually but for me, uh, in terms of motivation or um, mental model almost, is that it is better for me to see it as a desktop app, therefore more be more polished. It's more like a, in, yeah, uh, it's I not a yeah. closable tab, you know? Yeah, I guess there's, uh, and I, I'm playing a bit of the devil's advocate here yeah. because we're kind of in this period now and we have been for several years where kind of electron started to take over and now we have five chrome browsers on our desktop <laughs> all the time and yeah i don't know and previously i think where the quality thing is coming from is that mac apps used to be really good people used to build really really high quality swift apps mm-hmm. and it established a sense of yeah m- like apps on the computer on the desktop they're high quality mm-hmm. we take it to the extra level mm-hmm. websites yeah they're just text documents on the mm-hmm. web they can be a bit wobbly mm-hmm. i think that's kind of stayed stayed on um but yeah i think it's interesting but s- just to wrap it up 
what are your future plans for you know as it looks now yeah so um to actually take one step back because i would like to say the second point i, I said there were two points to uh, go um so Tori and Electron are basically wrappers around a website, more or less. So it's still accessible on websites. So experience will be same, but this is just me learning and motivation. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, future plans. So future plans are um, making making this application, um, well, making this branch final. I will do the things more or less you just said with the mm-hmm. waiting list or promoting it in, in, in many ways uh, really working more on the business side and community side yep. Bec- because you know at some point you want to s- s- hear from people how they take the concept and I mean and a lot of people um, and actually this is also kind of a request for everyone that's listening and <laughs> wants to try it out and it's we'll link it in the show notes exactly if uh, you want it if you want it and you're using gmail right now it's only for gmail yeah. users and uh, they can dm you if they want to try it out exactly yeah yeah uh, also there's also a website where you can just fill out a form but there will also be in the show notes so future plans like uh, i will still keep it open source mm-hmm. which means if possible also free and there might be a paid version with some additional features or different concept or what other open source projects are doing is that they have this managed version of it. So you don't need to take care of all of the technical details, but that's the service. So you pay for that. Um, that's a thought I have. Um, but for now, it's just a passion and which is solving a problem mm. and uh, developing. So, yeah. Amazing. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. It's really cool to see you tackle this very hard problem mm-hmm. and uh, see you solve it. Yeah. I've tried building email applications many times before. It's so much harder than you think, and I'm very impressed. So, yeah, thank you for, for uh, running us through this. You're welcome. Uh, we're already at 45 minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but, yeah, I think it's been a good uh, good conversation. Yeah, yeah, and I like again. yeah, I like sharing it and uh, good questions. They've made opened uh, some doors I have to haven't touched yet. So thank you for that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we'll link everything we talked about in this episode, so you can just uh, head over to the um, show notes to see that. And yeah, that's been all for today. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of Recursive, and don't forget to tune in next time.